Are you ready, ladies? Stand tall. Straighten those crowns and show them what you're made of. You're listening to the Farm Queen Podcast. All right. Okay. So today on the podcast, we have our next farm queen, Jen. I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Is it Mika? Micah? Micha. Micha. Oh, man. I was terrible guess on my part. All right. So Jen <laughs> Micha on the podcast today. And, you know, off we go. So, Jen, welcome. Um, if you could introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, your farm, what you raise, what you grow, how long you've been at it, day in the life. Give us a little snapshot. Uh, so I'm Jen Micha, um, commonly known as Jen from Farmhouse Market. Um, <laughs> sometimes I accidentally re- introduce myself at work that way. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that might make for an awkward start to the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew up on a dairy farm. I kind of already posted the little autobiography flip, but um, right. I grew up on a dairy farm here in Green. And obviously over the years, my family sold the, sold the farm. It was my grandparents' farm. Um, and it was just a small dairy. It was about 80 cows, which was a decent sized dairy for when they were farming. And, um, but obviously once you're in agriculture, agriculture never really leaves you. Right. And um, so, so now that I'm, you know, off on my own and we don't have the farm anymore. I, I have my own hobby farm basically, um, that has turned into a little business. We raise our own beefers. I only raise a couple a year, just mostly for our use and for burger in the stand. Um, I refuse to raise pigs. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 we got a detour and you got to tell me why. Cause I have pigs. So now I'm super curious. Um, so, so one, I just don't have the space for them, but also I live on a County road and I'm always nervous about uh, animals getting loose. Eggs are notorious. Notorious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's no handles on them. So, True. so yeah, I, I've, I've drawn the line at pigs. Um, but I know a couple other friends that, you know, raise pigs for the stands. So, and, um, so, works so mostly, mostly our focus has become chickens and raising meat birds and the holiday Thanksgiving turkeys. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because I had always told my kids that I didn't want chickens. And then somebody gave us six hens. And from there I've got like 50 layers and we raise like oh. 500 meat birds a year. So it's wow, that's a lot. Interesting, interesting twist of fate. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do this. Oh, guess what I'm doing? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, the chickens, it's, you know, you get some and then you're like, well, that's a cool breed. That's a cool breed. And then of course, chicken math and yep. Yep. <laughs> it always catches yep. up to you. Um, and so, so with the, you know, the, the laying hens and with the, the meat birds, um, we actually, COVID was actually the spur of 
raising the meat birds with, you know, when the grocery stores weren't very well stocked and, you know, you weren't really sure if you were going to go to the grocery store and get actually get groceries that you needed. Um, we kind of took a look at what we could do and we, um, we just decided that, you know, in six to eight weeks, we can butcher meat birds and we can feed our family and friends. And so we, we started doing that in 2020 and, you know, just offered the birds to family and friends and obviously for our own use. And from there, um, we had a lot of success with it, a lot of interest. So then I wanted to really start offering it to the public. And so we, we put together the stand and I always joke with people cause you know, we had, we had the eggs from the hens and the meat from the chickens and the honey from my son's hives. And those were our like three core products that we planned on selling. But then, you know, obviously you have like all the emulsifier products and some friends of mine, you know, they do really great job with making jams and all sorts of other project products. So we just eventually the stand just grew into a little tiny grocery store, which was really cool to see it change so much from the initial intent of having the stand. But I really just wanted that public interface so that people weren't stopping in to pick up their orders. And I wasn't like, here, come over onto my back porch and, you know, I'll get your order out of my back freezer. I, right. I wanted something where, you know, it was a little bit more, I had my privacy, but then they could still come and get a good quality farm product. Right. So your, so your little farm stand is right on your farm property? Yes, it is in my front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, I guess because, you know, you never know if it's like, you know, a lot of people start with like the farm stand on their property, but then they go and they either, you know, buy the field next door and put it there or they pick somewhere else, you know, maybe closer to town for some folks that let's go like rent a building there and like make a formal store, you know, retail yep. spot or something. So you're you're kind of like. I'd call it like high-end farm stand then since it's still right on your property. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I did have, I did have a question. Um, you mentioned your son's beehives. Is that right? Yes. So yes. tell us, so I, tell us a little about that. Cause that's, that's cool that you're letting your son have like one of the revenue streams of the business then. How did that come about? So, he, um, so actually him and his grandpa, do hives um i think it's more of poppy's project than christopher's at this point but um so they started doing hives and obviously with the hives you get the honey right. and so they were selling it and i wanted to add honey and like we have kudix but everybody has kudix in our area so i really wanted to have niche products that weren't really like you couldn't just go to the grocery store and buy them because right Mm -hmm. what's the point in having a farm stand if you can go to the grocery store you can go to the grocery store and buy the same stuff right um, right so I really wanted to have a little bit of uniqueness in that part speaking of the stand we actually just had somebody pull in so then she was like oh I need to bark there you go but here there you go um 
but yeah, so I, I really wanted something that was, you know, a little bit more intimate, I guess, in a way of having products mm-hmm. and not just something that, you know, you could just go to the grocery store and buy. And, right. So it's, um, it's not just the products. It's also somewhat of the experience of it too. Yeah. Cool. And, yeah. um, so and and they they've only got probably like eight hives, so it's it's enough to supply our stand, and mm-hmm. you know it gives him a little bit of entrepreneurship. And how old and, is he, um, if you don't mind me asking? Uh so he's fifteen now. Okay, it puts it so. in perspective of like, is he five or is he fifteen? You know, it's a very different right, right. <laughs> different entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit at that age. So right. But yeah, so he's 15 um, and he he's somewhat involved in the hives now. I think mostly it's Poppy's project now, but um, but he's like the middleman, <laughs> I guess, in a way. It's still very cool that you have it as like a, a family endeavor all around. It's not just you doing it. It's, you know, everybody's got a little something they're involved in, so. And, and I think that that kind of helps with like the community looking out for the stand because everybody's kind of invested in it in a way. Um, true, true. So that kind of helps with the self-service. And um, yeah, I know, I know there's been several customers that have really just kind of looked out for the stand and for me, which I, I greatly appreciate that. That's awesome. When the community actually cares about what you're doing more than just, oh, good, there's food here and it's a good price. It's they're invested right. past that point. It's a nice feeling. Yeah, it's, so, it's a nice feeling. Like they they take ownership of it in a way. Like yeah. they want to protect yeah. it and keep it so that everybody can enjoy it. That's very cool. Very cool. Yes. So I think you kind of did a pretty good job explaining, you know, you've got a lot going on. You've you've kind of touched on, you know, kind of how you guys got started. Um, So it sounds like you, you pretty much wanted to start farming because, was it because of COVID that you guys got into this or was it maybe like something that was kind of on your mind before that? And that was just kind of the push for it or kind of how'd you, like, how'd you guys start getting into, into what you've been doing? Well, I've always had animals. Um, right. I mean, you said you grew up on the dairy farm. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever not had animals in my life. <laughs> at any <laughs> point in my life, I've always had something. Um, but yeah, so COVID kind of pushed it where we're, you know, we were like, you know, we can, we can do this and we can, we can feed people. And if we're going to have the animals, we might as well make a little bit of money off having them um or at least recoup recoup some of our costs of having them i should say because right. <laughs> there's a lot of money into ag but not very much oh, back. absolutely <laughs> um yep. but yeah I, I figured you know if we were gonna have them you know we might as well do good with them and you know be able to offer stuff to more than just family and friends or just, you know, more than just our family itself. And, um, you know, and we've always, we've always raised animals for our own freezer. And so we, we just 
take really, you know, you take really good pride in producing a quality animal. You know, my parents have, they've been my, my butchering crew and they've, they've been really great about it. <laughs> they've, they've gotten pulled into a lot more than they've anticipated. I think sometimes. I, and, you know, um, yeah. I was going to say mine, mine are the same. They've, they've never really like balked or complained. Um, you know, even if we're butchering turkeys right before Thanksgiving in, you know, a blizzard because I Ugh. offered fresh turkeys that year. Yep. <laughs> And, yeah, that's um, one of the things that made me start considering maybe we should maybe we should just do frozen. Maybe fresh doesn't matter. So last Raisin. year we offered fresh and we butchered everything like the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Right. And right. You know, everything was spoken for. It was just, you know, producing the birds for them. And right. this year we decided that, you know, it was it was so stressful because I had asked people, you know, what's your ideal weight for a bird? And, you know, what day do you want to pick it up? And so it just, it put a lot of stress on making sure that those birds were going to actually hit that weight target. And of course, you know, that group, we did some frozen, but like the fresh group was really just looking like they were going to be smaller than I wanted them to be. And so it was really stressing me out. And then of course, um, you know, the weather never wants to cooperate with you. And so the day that we needed to butcher everything to have it ready for everyone, it decided to snow. And so, so we were just like, yeah, this is just, not like let's just have everything done and offer frozen birds and you know right and right that worked out so much nicer because then we were like we can just butcher them when they get to the size that we need them and they'll be ready and (laughs) right and you could even shift it and like nobody wants extra animals over the winter but you could offset it and you could raise them kind of over the winter for a longer stretch of time butcher them in the spring or the summer when it's just more convenient if you had to and right definitely gives you more flexibility right that feed impact right yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that thought of what you said about the turkeys and they were looking like they were going to be a little small and that kind of thing but um before we get into that kind of stuff I want to ask you how did it feel when Michelle told you you were the farm queen this week it was really exciting I um I wasn't really expecting it. So um it was it was very exciting and it was an honor to be to be selected. What is it what does it mean to you um to be the queen this week? You know, that you're kind of representing this group of these farm women that do the hard work day in and day out. Obviously you've got kids you're raising around that, you're running a store, you know, you've got a heck of a lot on your plate. And to have somebody kind of call you out and say, not call you out in a bad way, call you out in a good way and say, hey, we want you to be the one who represents what we do this week. What does that mean to you from a, I don't know, maybe a psychological standpoint or, you know, a motivation standpoint or something like that? Kind of like I've arrived. Um, You do so much and you wonder if people see you. And 
you know, especially like advertising and stuff, like you can put out a million ads and nobody shows up and you're like, do people even see me? Like, do they even know that I'm here? You know, is what I'm doing matter? Does what I'm doing matter? Um, You know, is it being noticed? And so to, to get that recognition, it was, it was a lot. Um, it meant a lot. I think that that's a great way to put it of feeling seen. That definitely would be something that would, I think, be motivating for a lot of people, whether they're, you know, from women or not, but yeah, that's, that's huge. The validation I think from it. Well, and there's, there's so much, like I'm in Chenango County, so there's so much ag um, around mm-hmm. us. So to right. be pointed out for being, you know, out right of, or of all the like options, that. of all the options right. there are, Michelle felt like you were worth putting up kind of in the spotlight next. Yeah. Not so to that, say that it's, you know, a trickle down for anybody who comes after. It's not like we're picking them, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, this is exactly why it is a peer to peer passing system because we don't want anybody to feel like they're not the best of the best or, or, you know, oh, well, I'm queen number 732. I must be terrible at this or something. Right. It's, it's more of that peer to peer that Michelle saw something about Jen that felt like it was worth uh, showcasing, I think would be the way to put it. Yeah, that would be a good way to put it. And it's super personal because whoever Jen picks is going to be the person that she says, wow, you know, this girl impresses me or she motivates me or, you know, I'm proud of her or whatever, whatever your reason might be, but someone to pay so, attention to. <laughs> exactly. That's the perfect way to put it. Somebody worth paying attention to somebody worth noticing. So kind of along with that, um, in terms of being specifically a woman in agriculture, um, you know, we feel like there are definitely some misconceptions around that quote unquote job title, if you will. Um, Coincidentally, just this morning, I saw something going around on Facebook about how somebody commented on, I don't know, some out-of-state woman farmer, somebody had left a comment on one of her posts saying, you know, that's not a job for a woman. So very appropriate that we're doing this interview today. Um, right, but what right. is what is the most to you, in your opinion? What is the most common misconception that you've encountered in regards to women in agriculture? Well, I think that sometimes we struggle with being taken seriously. That maybe we might actually know what we're talking about when we say something or point something out. Um, yeah it's and it's frustrating because you know we might not be the most experienced and you know but who is there's there's nobody that's you know gonna know everything about what's going on but we have animals we see them every day you know we we're around them we can tell you if somebody's acting off we might not know exactly why but we can, we can pull from our knowledge basis and, you know, the more experience we have, the more knowledge we're going to have to be able to, you know, apply that. And 
so growing up on the dairy farm and, you know, I work in the dairy industry. Um, I work for New York state ag and market. Mm -hmm. Like you, and I've always had animals. You, you just absorb experience as you go along. And there's, you know, there's, there's been times where, you know, I've offered input to, you know, some people, like, I don't think your animal's looking quite right. I had stopped in at, you know, one of my producer processors with work and I'm like, you know, they were milking and I was looking at their one cow. I was like, is she feeling okay? And they're like, no, she's been off. And you know, just the way she was standing, I was like, you know, you might have to have her checked for hardware because she she just looks uncomfortable. And so they were like, yeah, we have our vet coming out. And so they called me later on and they were like, you know what? They're like, that was exactly what our vet said too. They're like, they, they're going to treat her yeah. for hardware. So it was just, you know, that was kind of gratifying to be like, no, I know a thing about a thing or two once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. It's sometimes um, amazing to see or to, to come across people who assume, I know Doreen really got into this on her interview of, you know, it must be the man that's running the show kind of thing. It must be the man that makes the final decision. And it's like, do right. you think that women can't read that we can't learn this stuff as well as, or if not better than we right. could? Because I mean, I'd make the argument that women are considerably more, um, what's the word, perceptive? You know what I mean? Like, we're used to, especially if you've got kids, like, you're used to noticing those little subtleties of, like, gee, I think my kid's feeling sick. You know, you can tell that they're sick before you put your hand on their forehead for the fever kind of thing. And yet people think that we couldn't do the same with animals for some reason. So... Yeah, like well, you're saying, that's and when I was looking over the list of questions, I was, I've, you know, I I had seen that one on the list, and I was like, you mm-hmm. know, probably the easiest way to describe it is they don't think that we know anything, mm-hmm. but yet they don't know either. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> especially if it's especially if it's like no offense, but especially if it's a customer, it's like no offense, but if you're not farming because, you know, if you're not farming because you just can't afford the land or something like that, that's maybe one thing. But if you're not farming because you don't know the first thing about farming, then do me a favor and don't tell me that I'm not doing something right. Because, right. You know, you, I mean, like if my cow is, you know, got an open wound or something on its side, yeah, feel free to say something. Maybe I didn't notice it because they were turned the other way this morning. I don't know. But yeah, you know, when it comes across like across the whole board when they when they act like you don't know enough or you can't do it, it's like mm-hmm. or or when you offer your thoughts on something and they disregard it, but then somebody else who happens oh, to be yes. male says the same voices the same thoughts and they yep. take that advice over yours. Even though it's Even identical. Identical. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and and so that's that's where it's just, you know, you you see that difference. <laughs> I would lose my mind if that were me. I don't know how you'd handle that. <laughs> I'd lose it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I probably need to stop gritting my teeth once in a while. But <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe we'll, we'll kind of slide into the next question here. Um, 
as far as that's that's obviously a misconception, but is there anything on that you'd expand on or is there something different that you wish your customers knew about the life of a farm woman? Well, I think that people tend to see the sticker price, but not the value, um, the quality behind it. Mm-hmm. And and that was one of the things that I really struggled with when I first started the stand was, you know, obviously a farm raised bird, a farm raised chicken is going to cost a lot more than what you're going to go to the grocery store. And even this fall when I was marketing my turkeys, I I set a fair price, what I believed should be a fair price for my turkeys. And right. you know, you you post your advertisement with the price. And you always get those comments where people are scoffing at your price. And, you know, you always get that person that says, well, I'm going to go to Walmart and buy, you know, the 39 cent. A right. <laughs> right. And, you Off know, you go. And enjoy. You, well, and, and, you know, and I was like, well, and that's, that's your choice. And you are more than, more than free to do that. But also please don't shame me for fairly pricing my birds that are farm raised at a different quality than what you're going to buy in the grocery store. Right. Um, I I think that's a huge piece that's missing for so many people is that yes, the turkeys raised on a farm doesn't matter if it's still, you know, broad-breasted whites like they raise for most of the commercial farms. It does not matter what kind of bird it is. What matters is your cost going into it. And I think a lot of people completely overlook that side of it where it's like I'm not charging this, you know, I don't know, let's say it's $100 for a nice big farm raised turkey. It's not like you're making a $75 profit off of it, you know, necessarily. Right, it's like right. I have to feed this bird for, you know, 6 months or more depending on breed. Um I have to process it, you know, I need to have the equipment to butcher it, I need to have this, you know, bag to wrap it in, I need to cover my time a little bit because I'm also my own marketing team, you know. I don't I don't think people realize how many different pieces go into it. And it's like, if you're making a profit of like, you know, I don't know, a 10% profit margin, then it's like, I charge a hundred dollars and I make $10 off that bird or $20 off the bird. It's like, that's a pretty small profit margin, in all honesty. Especially, just, especially for four, four to six months worth of work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And if you go back through, if you go back through and you calculate, like, what did you make? per bird, you know, any farmer, what did they make per turkey? Mm-hmm. Track that back over how many days have you had that bird, all of your feed costs and everything. Take out the feed costs, take out the purchase price of buying the baby turkey if you needed to, you know, running water. Right. Calculate it's, out it, well, what your labor <laughs> cost would be of like, I'm going to be paid for my time as any farmhand should be. You'll make like a few bucks a day doing it. And it's like, yeah. Guys, come on, really? We're gonna we're gonna complain it's that this well, price isn't it's fair. Well below the, the labor rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we get up in arms about, you know, sweatshops in other countries that make the equivalent of like five dollars, you know, five US dollars a day. And it's like you realize that there are some farmers that kind of make close to that on on some of their stuff. You know, it's like nobody's up in arms for the farmers, but yeah. It's, it's very tough to make a living and which I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I have a day job. Um, right. So the, the farm here is more of, 
you know, my side hobby. Um, right. You do it because you that, love it. You do it because you care. That hopefully pays for itself. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's tough. And I, I can't even imagine relying on farming to just be my sole paycheck. Um, right. And I know that there's, there's a lot of, a lot of ladies out there, a lot of families out there um, that just are at that mercy. Right. And it's hard. It is hard. It is long days. It is oftentimes a lot more thankless than it should be for sure. Yes. It's always nice when you find those customers that are like, I love everything you're doing. When are you going to add this? Whatever you're selling, can I buy some? Those are, those are my favorite customers. I have a couple like that where they're like, those are, those are you going to add? Too. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done pasture. Well, we tried to do pasture poultry last year. That got mm. thrown off the bus when my husband passed away. But, you know, I had customers that, you know, an egg customer and she wanted pork, but she missed out on it. And she's like, let me know the next time the pork's in. I'm buying a pig. And are you going to do pasture poultry? Could I have some? She literally said to me the first time she called the farm, she was so excited. She's like, I just want to try everything you have. I just want all of it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll let Those you Those are know. the ones you just want to like give a hug. <laughs> oh, like I have. I have. She's the best. She's the best. But as long anyway, as I so, follow through with it, I've had some customers that yeah. are like, can you put this in the stand? And then when I finally find a source for it and, you know, make it happen, then they don't come in and buy it. <laughs> Right. So that's right. the other part. Is, you know, you have to be very strategic on what you decide to present into the stand because some things are just going to be just this little like passing wish. And then other things are right. going to actually be, you know, a high demand product. You know what? That's worth that's worth a side question. Um as far as your farm stand, you obviously are, like you're saying, partnering with some other local farms and such to source different products for in the farm. You mentioned like the pigs that you don't raise them, but you have somebody who's got pork for it. Um, how, I don't know exactly how to word this. How, uh, how taxing is that for you to be in charge of kind of expanding what you offer in your little farm stand market, as opposed to just offering, um, you know, what you have, what was it that drove you to partner up with some other farms for that? So I wanted to offer some variety, um, but also like I'm a terrible gardener. <laughs> I acknowledge that. So anything that I grow is usually not. So I, I really wanted to give like a nice little variety in the stand. And so. Right. I you mentioned like in. grocery store kind of set up before. Right. Or right. Not grocery so, store set up, but competitor, whatever. I don't, I don't know how to can <laughs> and I'm a terrible gardener. Um, but I know people that do, and I know people, you know, that are able to sell their products so I pull them in and, you know, it's, it's a little taxing because I try to pull in products that I feel comfortable about buying myself. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you have to be 
really critical and, you know, turn some people away. Right. But also it's, it's tricky because sometimes you get going with a product and then they're just not able to keep up with you. And so then you have to find another source as far as that goes. Um, Also, it's kind of hard to source things and have to pay for them out of pocket in advance. Oh, right. Um, right. You end up having a lot of overhead. So you want to be really selective of what you pick out as your products that you're going to be putting in there because you obviously want that return fairly quickly. Um, and it's time consuming. Like you've got to run all over creation to pick this stuff up if they don't deliver. Right. Right. And so for a while there, it, you know, I was just kind of running myself ragged, just trying to keep the stand stocked. And luckily my mom likes to go on a lot of these excursions to pick stuff up. So I can kind of delegate to her to you know, be like, all right, well, you got to swing by so-and-so's and pick up, you know, an order for me. And she likes to do that. So I'm <laughs> fortunate there to be able to kind of share some driving time that way and but also I wanted to make sure that everything was local like truly local so when I first started out everything was local to within a half hour of our stand and um which we've had to push out a little bit further but it's pretty much within a couple counties still of where we're sourcing very cool. Would you say that you have uh, more situations where you have to kind of reach out and, and find the source or do you more often have people approaching you asking if you'll, if you'll sell their products? I've actually been more of like, I'll reach out because I, I kind of want to select the product. Um, just because like I'll go see something and I'll be like, well, you know, I've been wanting to introduce this into the stand and I really like the quality of this product. So I'll reach out to these people and see if they'll do wholesale. Um, but, and sometimes they will, and sometimes they won't. Um, it's really tough because if they won't, then that either, if I, if I want that product in here, then I've got to really raise the cost and they can just go to that person mm-hmm. right. And right? cheaper. So I, I don't like doing that. Um, but also like, if I don't raise the price, then I'm just selling it for what I bought it for and I'm not including my time. Right. So, so right. that's, that's really a struggle. Um, and I like to keep everything affordable. Like if it's priced, that I don't feel comfortable paying myself, then I don't expect my customers to be able to sustain that product either. Right. So Makes sense. that's, that's a really big guidance that I have as far as like how I, I bring stuff in and price stuff. Um, and it's, it's worked well for me. Um, I've had, I've had some products that just kind of hang out, but other than that, you know, people have, people have been pretty interested in the variety that we have. And obviously during the winter time, it's a little bit less of a variety just because we don't have all the produce and, you know, the, the cooler isn't quite 
as full because we just don't have the tra- mm-hmm. the traffic that we normally would. Right. But um but it's it's worked out well. Very cool. So given that you have a day job, run this farm of your own, run this farm stand, have to source products to keep that farm stand stocked. Um you know, and there's obviously more than just call somebody and go pick it up. You know, you have to coordinate and figure out the pricing and all of that and do stocking and do marketing and everything. And, you know, then you mentioned things like, you know, we raised turkeys and we were worried they were going to turn out a little bit smaller than people would like. And there's a lot of stress to go along with this from even just from that side of it of, am I going to be able to deliver what I promised I'd deliver? What is it that in those toughest moments, in those stressful stretches of time, what is it that inspires you to keep going? Us uh, don't really have a choice. <laughs> um, if you, you can only do so much within a day, but you know, when you have people relying on you, it drives you. Um, that sense of responsibility, the sense of duty. Um, you don't really have, you don't have that option of just like, oh, well, I'm just not going to get, you know, their Thanksgiving turkeys done before Thanksgiving. Like, that's not a choice. That's, that's an, an option. Right. Like you, you, you just, yeah. right. You, you make it happen. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of scheduling, um, strategic scheduling. We try to, you know, like I had mentioned, delegating stuff to mom. <laughs> okay. Mom and dad have been great. Give it another um, couple of years and your son's going to be your delivery driver, I bet, right? Right, right. He'll be wanting to drive, so it'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Always give the kids a job they want to do. Right. And, you know you just, you make efficiencies. Um, during the winter time, I scale back my chores and make sure that everything is as efficient as possible. So if I get home, I can usually like in the winter time, I can normally do chores within like a half hour during the week. So I, I try to set stuff up so that it's as easy as possible. Um, especially if I have to have somebody do the chores for me, like if I have to go out of town, my parents do my chores for me. I, I try to make everything as easy for them as possible. And, you know, you, you just kind of make your life fit to your goals. I guess is the easiest way you, you don't really have, if you want to do it, you're going to make it work. And that's just always been the way I've been kind of raised. Like, yeah, I love, I love how you put that of, if you want it, you'll make it happen. I think that's probably a, a lot more common of a driving factor behind all these women than people realize of, you know, there's, there is a sense of, um, maybe a sense of duty around, you know, I'm, I'm doing this to feed people, not just because, you know, it's not like we're 
sitting with our feet up crocheting blankets for an Etsy store or something, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not exactly a relaxing job. So yeah, there's, there's a lot more to it than just, oh, it's a business. Oh, it's, you know, it's some money coming in kind of thing. So, but yeah, I, I love how you put that, that if you want it, you'll make it happen and you have people counting on you. So you just keep going. That's huge, huge. You know, we have, we have kids relying on us. We have our families relying on us. So we're just more prone to push through because we, we yep. have to get it done. Yep. As what is it that my grandma always says? A woman's work is never done. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> that's because it's never done. And sometimes that's because we choose to never have it done because we're crazy and we add farms, but still it's never done. So <laughs> that's always the housework. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. She does usually say it about housework, but now that I have a farm, she's like, I don't know why you're doing it. It's so much work. And I'm like, you grew up on a farm. She's like, yeah. She literally once told me it's a good thing that I didn't have to be a farmer when I grew up. My animals would be dead. I wouldn't want to do that much work. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, all right, it takes a certain somebody to keep doing this then. So you are definitely definitely one of those. You are definitely one of those women. So people obviously are going to love you (laughs) yeah I think that's true having it and having it in your blood is is something so now that people have gotten to know you and they love you and they think you're awesome where would be the best place for them to follow along on on your journey as they maybe become customers as they see how your farm business grows you know from here and where can they find you uh, so the farm stand has its own page, Farmhouse Market, um, and that's right here in green. The um, so the, the Facebook page it does not have a web a web page, yeah, a website. Still working on that, but I'm not very technological. So, and then of course when you go looking online for website building sites then you don't know if you're really going down something that is legit or not um but that's that's a goal to get the website going but we definitely have the so we definitely have the facebook page um it is it does show up in google maps um that was a pretty exciting day when i was plugging an address into my google maps and i saw the farm stand show up in my little preview window um i i don't know how or when but it just magically appeared so that was That's, pretty exciting that is exciting because <laughs> i had to go into google and i had to add mine manually this has been awesome i think i learned a lot from you whether it seems like it or not Wonderful. but i certainly did um i think everybody's gonna love hearing kind of your story and, and what drives you any final thoughts you'd like to share with, you know, the potential future farm queens listening or with the people who aspire to start farms just so that they can become a farm queen or, you know, whatever, whoever's listening, any final words of wisdom or inspiration or anything for them? It's always open. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and ask, you know, how to, you know, how they should process their birds or how they, how to process their birds. Um, And we process several times a year. So I usually will be like, well, we'll be processing on this date. And, you know, just if you want to come by and, you know, 
lend a hand, we're more than willing to show you our process. Um, and I've had a lot of people reach out to me as far as like how to start a farm stand and stuff like that. Um, my door is always open. I'm, I'm on Facebook every day. So if anybody has any questions, they can just feel free to reach out to me. I've had a couple people reach out to me this week with questions about something that I had mentioned and they, they wanted to know more about it. Um, but as far as for future farm queens, I think just share your knowledge and, you know, we're, we're all in agriculture, but I think sometimes we just don't get a chance to really co like mingle with each other and really share our stories. And mm -hmm. it's, it's such a great way to network by, you know, being farm queen for a week. I've had so many people be like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm like right in your County and I'm, I'm right here. And, you know, I, I went to Morrisville too. And so it's, it's interesting to, you know, once you start sharing your story, how much you have in common with people that are, you know, right next door to you, basically. Right. You get so much more uh, networking out of it, I think. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you again so much for doing this. This was awesome. Not a problem. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support our podcast by clicking the link in the description, by subscribing through your favorite podcast app, and by following us on your favorite social media platform. 